you had any breakfast? Uh, I did have a little bit of breakfast, yeah. Did you? What time did you get up at? Mm, I haven't been sleeping much for the three days, so... Oh, I'm, I'm definitely saving this. I'm not going down this avenue. Well, no, it's probably too X-rated for... for the... I've been staying at someone's house, so I've been uh, cleaning it this morning. Right. But I just freaked out at like 4 a.m. before I should start now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just One started of those cleaning. sort of anxious early morning rises. Yeah, but hey, that's all good. Hi, I'm Ollie from Yak, and you're listening to Q Presents The Making Of. I'm going to read a little bit out about you first. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you just remain... All lies. You remain calm <laughs> and silent. Hello, listener, and welcome to the latest instalment of Q Presents The Making Of the podcast that goes deep into the lives of the great music makers of our time. My name is Niall Doherty, and our guest this week is Ollie Burslim. Ollie is the singer, guitarist, and chief songwriter in the London-based trio Yak, one of the most exciting guitar bands to emerge over the past decade. Yak released their debut album, Atlas Salvation, in 2016, following it up earlier this year with Pursuit of Momentary Happiness, a record that put a more soulful twist on their ferocious garage rock sound. They recently completed work on a new EP titled Atlas Complex that will come out in early November. Ollie joins us in our Camden studio on a bright September morning. Hello, Ollie. Are you a morning person? Yeah, can be, yeah. Yeah, is your phone off? You're checking your it's phone off, it's off. You just yeah, had a last-minute yeah, yeah. panic, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. Um, are you usually a morning person, or are you just a <clears throat> not-sleeping person? Um, I usually, when we're on tour, I'm at for a stage of sleeping all through the day and staying up all night, just because I'm a bit of... Um, it's quite nice if you're in a van for eight hours a day just to sleep it sleep that through. It's a bit like time travel in, in a kind of weird way. But um, I try not to do that now. What do you do now? What's your tour routine now? Is that uh, Does that vampiric existence not lead to a healthy lifestyle? Well, no, it does. I mean, I enjoy it. But, um, yeah, no, I don't really have any kind of routines, really. Some days I don't go to sleep and some days I'll sleep all day, so... Is that from being in a band or is that just... You, may, well, are? maybe, yeah. And I, I do like going out... Or, you know, get into writing songs or doing something. I like Nighttime's quite good. It's quite nice when everyone's asleep. It's kind of... doesn't feel like you're missing anything, so... Well, so, you, you know, some uh, some artists get to that stage where they, they start writing between the sort of... They have, like, a nine-to-five structure. Yeah. Are you the opposite of that? Are you an yeah, eternal creature? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. Like I said, I don't have any routine particularly. But, um, yeah, having no routine, I suppose. And what are you doing straight after this? Are you off on tour? <clears throat> Uh, go uh, go to, I think we travel to Cologne tonight. We'll stay there for an, the evening and then travel on to Hamburg to the Reaper Barn Festival. Um, I love and I like Hamburg a lot. It's yeah, good. that's a messy city, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is that what filthy, appeals to yeah. you? No, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Last time we ended up in all sorts of situations in supercars with a lady who said she's sewn her own face on. <laughs> which I which I didn't think I'd believed and then but then I didn't believe she had a supercar or she said if you say my name at any hotel you'll get a penthouse suite and I was like nah, I don't think this is true and then we end, ended up going out of the club and she's like doop doop and it's like Lamborghini and then drove to this hotel and she said her name and they gave her a penthouse suite so there we go well, so what was the end of the story the end of the story was I just I think I woke up and there was some kind of weird movie on 
And she said, I'm going to travel, I'm going to drive to your next gig in Amsterdam. I was like, okay, well, we've got to leave now. And then got to the next day at the gig and she rocked up in a sports car again. Really? <laughs> She's a nice lady now, yeah. Do you find that um, characters are attracted to you? Um, well, I, I like, I mean, I, that's one of my favourite things, meet, meeting new people. I think that's the most amazing thing about touring. Turns out we're all kind of quite similar. And there's some really interesting people around. Um, I suppose I've always been attracted to the kind of people on the fringes or people who don't have a, a, a normal existence, I suppose. And, and, and with playing live music, you do get to meet some characters. Yeah. What's your favourite city to play in? <clears throat> um, I don't know. It's a hard one. I mean, London's always great, but I always get more nervous in London just because there's quite a lot of people here. Or you forget that someone's coming and to put them on the guest list or something like that. But um, Paris has always been quite good. And also just visiting new places and being quite surprised that people... We played Moscow a couple of months ago. Okay, how was that? That was great, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, what's your... Um, when you're packing to go on tour, <coughs> what's your must-have essentials? Well, I kind of live out of my car still. Still? Yeah. We'll, so, go, we'll get to the car story. So, um, so we might, Or should we just do the car story now? I mean, there's not much of a story except for... <coughs> you live out of your car? Uh, well, I live out of it, yeah. So... Um, so today I was just was packing some bits out of it, out of the boot on the way on the way here actually yeah. So how long has I don't really the car been well, your sort of storage well. <laughs> slash living facility? Um, probably three years now yeah. So, but it's been quite. I mean, it's so exciting to do. For instance, I met a friend in a pub and I said, "Well, we're playing Green Man at the weekend. Let's go see Stereo Lab. We're playing the night before." I said, "We'll go in the car." She was like, really? I said, yeah, just, it's quite nice. Park up on the field. Then we drove into the Brecon Beacons and travelled around uh, Snowdonia, hiking around. I, I always go walking on my own in, in Wales, which I'm allowed to do because I've got, you know, if I'm in London, I've got a week, I'll travel up there. And yeah. Went walked to a place called Clader Idris, which is the shoulders of giants, I think. It's in Welsh. Apparently, if you sleep there at night time, you wake up uh, insane or a poet, they say, yeah. Right, have you slept up there at night time? Well, I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so you get to do nice things when you, you know, kind of no, nomadic lifestyle. And I suppose I didn't join, start this band until I was in my late 20s, so I had a lot of time sat in offices and working working that kind of uh, lifestyle. So it's, you know, it feels quite a privilege to be able to do this. Or I, buying selling furniture before the band as well. So that was quite similar, travelling around the country and packing the van full of stuff. And yeah, we're, we're going to get to all in. of that. Okay, yeah. Is the car tidy? No, no. It smells like a sock as well. Just one big sock? One big sock. Like the opposite of that new car smell? Yeah, it's it's kind of... I was trying to figure it out the other day. My friend Errol ended up in Wales trying to fig, figure out what the smell was, but never found it. But it's gone now. Dead mouse? Yeah, I don't know. Not too sure. But it's left us, so that's fine. And then tell me, uh, what, what are Yak up to at the moment? You've just completed work on this new EP. Yes, and that's happened. We went to Nashville and started the EP there at uh, Jack White's Gaff, um, Third Man Records. <clears throat> so that was great, just being let loose there. And Yeah, what was it like there? Yeah, it was great. There's some hot chicken and they were, all, they were all nice people. We only had three days there. Um, so it was just we just got down to it, really. And they were kind enough to let us use all their gear. So he had all the some of the white stripe stuff and and the raconteur stuff all in like a little kind of room. So oh, that's cool. it was nice to go through all the gear and and try and make some make some new music. Yeah, and they were just so they, they were all sweet to us. So yeah, 
hats off. Does an EP feel like a good thing to do, like a fresh start between records? Why do an EP now? Um, I think so much effort goes into cycle, that horrible word, or campaign, all these rubbish words that record labels use. But I suppose um, it's like an archaic form that is still, you know, you get stuck in this cycle, I suppose. So it's nice to be able to break out of it and and do something that, you know, maybe kind of have a rough idea for the next record. So try out some new things. I think it's quite... Yeah, it's quite good. And then, and then, and then we go back to London. Our friend Laurie has a studio in South London in this kind of uh, this dormer bungalow with Baker Light handles and parquet floor flooring, and a lovely old Neve desk. And we we actually recorded some of the songs there as well. So, and I only was that a month ago? Yeah. So it's all happened quite quick. It feels like a break from your sound. The first track could be <coughs> Yak's Bond theme. Yes. Is it? Was it? Yeah. Uh, Am I a good man? Is yeah, that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. That could be like your Bond bit, theme. Yeah. It's a bit kind of solely. I did when I finished the vocal, <clears throat> Laurie, who did the vocal in South London. I was like, Jesus, I don't think you could drink five pints, smoke a pack of fags, and and sing it because it's quite high pitch. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that one. I might have to try and start behaving myself a bit better. But yeah, have you ever done a sober show? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not one of those that needs to get in the. No, no. When we zone. first started, there seemed to be kind of a lot of energy towards that thing kind of going for it and stuff I think it was just more through insecurity more than anything and uh, kind of just feeling like God you know live live it live it quite hard but we kind of kind of chilled out a bit more now oh no Elliot drummer Elliot says I keep saying oh we're much more we better behave now and he's like are we? <laughs> but I think we are those early shows uh, in London seem to really catch people's imagination I mean there was a lot of before you'd you'd only released a few things before the debut album there was a lot of people talking about Yak as a live band did it feel like a really exciting time? Mm, not really me and Andy started he's not in the band anymore we played bass and we've been friends since we were like four or been good mates so we just did it um, because we had a space for the first time in London um, that we didn't have to pay for and we just started um, just playing with other musicians and Elliot being one of them, he's in the band now, playing drums. And then was like, I think I went to the corner shop and my friend said, do you want a gig? I was like, ah, oh, okay, next weekend, okay. Just went in for some bacon and egg and came out with a gig. So, so and, then, and, then some, and then we met Phil, our sound engineer, who's still with us now. And he said, do you want to record? I was like, well, I've never really thought about that, but yeah, we could do it. And someone said, do you want to release it? And it kind of went on from there, really. Um, so there was no, no kind of pressure. Um, it was just I thought we we had been on the sidelines for so long. I think when we had the opportunity finally to to get out there and play gigs, um, we wanted to make the most of it really and play every every gig with the intensity like it was our last, I suppose. Which is still the same now. The first record was our last record, and the second album was like going to be our last record, and the CP is our last record. <laughs> so it always has that intensity, I suppose. And then, so tell me, you and Andy met when you did you say you were four? Something like that, four or five, yeah. What were you like as a kid? That was in, is that in the West Midlands? Yeah, yeah, just outside Wolverhampton. Um, I don't know, just kind of, I'm not so sure. <laughs> when did you first get into odd. music? <laughs> were you odd? Uh, I don't know, that's not for me to say, is it? <laughs> um, uh, was I, yeah, uh, yeah, into music a lot, really. I'm not particularly an ac academic, so that seemed to be the thing that um, seemed to be... Uh, belonged to me, I suppose, had this relationship with music from an early age, yeah. When did you start playing guitar? Well, I, I posed with it for the first... 
yeah, 27 years. And no, no, I played it for a bit. <laughs> I kind of liked Elvis and stuff and loads of old 50s music, all that kind of um, Fats Domino and stuff, weirdly. And the Shaggy. My sister said to me recently, when she left for university, she was afraid I was going to get bullied at secondary school, so got me some kind of modern 90s house music to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> left me some CDs, which I can't remember, but... You can't take, remember listening I'll to them. i take a word for it. But yeah, I've always been just obsessed with it, really. What were you like in secondary school? Uh, a nuisance, probably. Are you well behaved or badly behaved? Uh, a nuisance. Uh, not particularly really naughty, but yeah, pretty. Um, I wasn't allowed back. <laughs> I actually got banned from music as well, which is quite the irony. But um, Yeah, how? How did that happen? Um, I can't remember. Too much of a racket. Yeah, I think maybe there was a scene where we broke in at lunchtime and connected all the amplifiers up and locked all the doors or something like this kind of or hit the steel pans too hard or something like this i can't quite remember were you in a band in school <clears throat> yeah yeah we bandy actually who's in the band yeah what were they like what were they called awful oh god there's loads of terrible names none of which i could repeat on air to be honest <laughs> but um <clears throat> but yeah no it's always always good and there's lots of m- music around the midlands as well my brother played and so I used to see him a lot. So just did seem to be something that was around and and um, and was fun as well, really. And the kind of the characters that would be at the pubs or, you know, the old boys in their 60s. And I just remember seeing it as a kid, just being quite enthralled about these kind of naughty men. <laughs> so I remember once a, a, there was a bass player playing and his wife came storming into the pub and poured a pint over his head and then gave him the dog... And he never missed a, you know, <laughs> he's playing whatever song is, doom, 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 or whatever he was playing. I was thinking, wow, that's incredible. That scene really had an effect on you. <laughs> yeah, it really did, yeah. Q presents the making of. What bands did you love at that point? Well, I just like all sorts of music. I suppose that was all kind of like bluesy stuff at the pubs. Brother was probably into his grunge more because that was his, he was older, older than me. Um, And then... MTV2, was that? So we didn't have MTV, but I remember going around to a friend's house and just being staring at that. It was all like terrible, like Papa Roach and Lincoln Park. Sort of like early, and early then, noughties. I remember seeing every gig, most, I was going to see a lot of gigs in Birmingham and, and, um, and Wolverhampton, that was close. So there used to be a club in Birmingham called Cold Rice and a lot of Detroit bands came over. Obviously White Stripes was the one that really took off. So I remember seeing them. Um, ben Swank, who actually runs Third Man now, is one of Jack's old friends. He was in a band called Soul Dad Brothers. Yeah. So, Dirt Bombs, so there was that. Yeah, but I'd see it, anything that came through, really. Yeah. And at that point, in terms of being <clears throat> a punter, were you also thinking, I want to be in a band? Was that a dream, or was that... Well, always in Wolverhampton when I was there. That was always the first the first thing. But then always... Um, I, um, I kind of grew up a bit outside Wolverhampton in kind of in the countryside, in the middle of nowhere, really. So um, when I, I came to London when I was 17, and then that was, I didn't really, I didn't really leave. And there was a nightclub called Trash here, which yeah. a lot of electro music. And I remember going there, and, and then the whole focus probably came just towards be, just being able to stay in London, really, and, and um, pay my way so I could stay here to experience all these great things that big cities have to offer, I suppose. So that, that made the music probably a bit harder and put on that on the back burner. I mean, how many drummers have got a drum kit in London? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who wants to be a drummer in London? Yeah. What, um, what prompted the move to London? 
So you were 17 and you just up sticks. Oh, yeah, I just remember being at my friends. All the bombs were going off. And we'd stayed up all night. And he's like, should we still go down? It's like, yeah, let's go down. So then just came, yeah, just came down in the middle of all that, mis- you know, all that kind of stuff that was happening here. And going to clubs and... So that's what, 2006, is it? Maybe, yeah. Or maybe before now even. I can't remember. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. So then it was all that and trying to get into nightclubs and being mischievous and seeing lots of stuff. Like I said, I was kind of from the middle of nowhere, so it was nice to, yeah. Nice Did you make lots of friends? Yeah, yeah, no. Well, yeah, made quite a few. Not many music friends, really. And so what was funding your living at that point? Um, so I worked at all sorts. I was a handyman for a bit. I worked at bars, nightclubs, Mayfair nightclubs, Peter Stringfellow's strip club. Um, worked in, in an office once. <laughs> Well, it's been recruitment. It's hard to imagine you in an office. Free, yeah, yeah. Free spirited. Used to call me Olive, actually. Yeah, that was my name, Olive. I remember it was all the bankers' crisis, and I was just on the phones, but going to the local pub, and everyone was, you know, music people. So it was in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to try and make some kind of ad hoc suit, and then go to the pub afterwards, and had people dressed, you know, going to gigs, going, you know, you're a banker. <laughs> or whatever not that it was but I remember just being it's quite nice being on both sides of the fence really and I suppose that's another thing with the band I think I'd, we've always enjoyed contrast and maybe being able to sit in a pub in Wolverhampton talk to people, people with completely different ideas to the the liberal yeah, rather left, than, as they say yeah. Hackney, or you know so, so to try and have as much contrast and I think the more contrast there's been in my existence the more it's made me more confident about what I believe in I think to a certain degree Was there anything you enjoyed about working in the city? I mean, lovely people and, you know, a lot of proper Londoners coming from Essex and worked with some nice ladies, yeah. Everyone was, everyone was sound, yeah. And then like what did everyone's you, usually all right. How long did you work there for? Mm, oh, I can't remember, two years, year and a half. And then what came after that? Um, and then the furniture, yeah. Yeah, just got into that. Started doing Spitterfields Market and hustling around, buying and selling stuff. How long did you have your stall for? How, I mean, where did that come from? Did you have like a passion for antiques? Yeah, yeah. Always had a passion and managed to come across, find some stuff along the way, <laughs> which I sold. I think I sold something at Christie's when I was about 20 or something. And then that kind of fueled it, really. And then kind of, I met lots of great people through doing it. John uh, Coxon, who's had a lot of, um, helped us with a lot of these records and just good, became a good friend. I sold his dining room table to him. And that's how you met? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Spiritualized and stuff. So that kind of and, uh, and informed me and my and music and helped a lot personally. Yeah, he's a good man. Um, Did you have, you had some other famous customers as well, didn't you? I read uh, somewhere that you'd well, thirst and more. So. I think when we first started playing the band, everyone was name checking anyone that walked past the stall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was a few people. But I suppose there is in East London, isn't there? A few people play music. I mean, so at that point, are you thinking, well, I'm going to be a successful antiques guy rather than a guy in a band? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, that was, the, that was the aim. So what happened? Well, I just I sat in a shop one day and I thought, well, if I don't do it again and give it another go, then I think it'd be a, I'd probably regret it. Regret it. So, and now we, we've done it, so I'm done now. I'm going to go back to my furniture. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's, that's the thing for next year, really. And I'm just so proud of everything we've achieved. It's been great, really. I mean, do you, what, what is there that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Um, what, in, in life? or Yeah, just in terms of what's next. Well, it'd be nice to live somewhere. And um, it'd be nice to have some money. <laughs> so maybe do that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Not too sure. 
I'd like to live in another country. I'd like to go travelling. Yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff, really. And so tell me about filling that gap between uh, the Antique Stool and then Yak making their debut album. What, what happened? Well, I ended Was up, it an exciting time? Yeah, I ended up in like a squat and there was a shop and then a friend had the squat and then we started the shop uh, like for a little while. And in the basement of the shop there was room and I had loads of friends in bands and I said, oh, can we leave my, our amp? Can I leave a drum kit? So people just started leaving stuff down there and... I slowly started, you know, shutting the shop earlier and going downstairs. And for the first time ever uh, in London or in my adult life, being able to have time just to uh, create and make music, really, without the pressures of having a nine-to-five and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was just quite exciting. I thought, well, let's give this a go for a while. Can you remember the first Yak song that you wrote? Not really. It's all a bit of a blur now, you know. <laughs> and what are your main memories of making the debut? mild panic and then I just wanted to, we wanted to make it as noisy and as hectic as possible really I remember there being like there'd been a couple of songs we'd done that were kind of slightly more poppy and as a certain to, well, to our ears so I remember being like let's just definitely not do that let's make something that's really um, brutal which it probably isn't but you know it's hard time. to do that isn't it like make a, a debut album a lot of debut albums often suffer because they're trying to be a reflection of their live show and never capture it. But you sort of nailed it. Yeah, I think it. so. I always thought it was a rec- I always thought it was quite hard to just do records quickly, and all my favourite records are quickly, and all my favourite records are documents over time. So that definitely is a definite a, def- a document of of that year that we had. Um, and also to make records, you have to try and push yourself as far out as possible because the reality is, once you get the mix to masters, once they go through the certain bits that they go through you know they always end up sounding less kind of a bit more tamer so you really have to mentally put up get out as far out there as possible and try and do things um in different ways i suppose tune it differently or uh, no click track or everyone you know annoy everybody so everyone's really does a really aggressive take or you know there's all these kind of ones did you enjoy making it yeah and steve mackie of uh he played in pulp and stuff. Um, he was great, and we really got on. Still get on now. He's he's a nice man, so that was great. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that. And then compare that to making the second <clears throat> record, which I read a few interviews with you where you really put yourself through the mill for that. Well, I suppose it became different. Andy left. I think it was it was um, Andy left, and then I suppose when we first started the first record, we still had a, we had a free house for a friend and a squat and stuff in Bethnal Green. So there was still some infrastructure behind us personally or bands, had somewhere to live, had somewhere to make music, had like a little setup at home, some speakers, um, you know, had little part-time jobs we were holding on to. But once after we toured the hell out of the first one, then all of the infrastructure probably goes down, really. So, so then it was literally trying to make music in time without any kind of, um, any kind of solid foundations or anywhere to live, really. And we didn't have a record deal. I don't think we didn't have any money, so yeah, so everything became a bit harder. But a lot of friends helping us out, really, who you know, 
it's always musicians helping other musicians or um yeah to manage to make it happen really i read that jason pierce from spiritualized was yeah, a sort yeah. of guiding force for you during it yeah yeah he was yeah, yeah he was a good man I had dinner with him last night actually he, we had we did a video yesterday so oh, I forgot cool. he he played a gig on Saturday, which was which was yeah, great. Yeah, the, the candles there. Yeah, it was really good. So I went down to that and I mentioned that we had a video, so he, he was reading his book for a few hours while I was poncing around. <laughs> and we had a little Turkish afterwards, yeah. He's been a good man, really. And, you know, like a lot of good friends, we've got musicians talking about music and making records and how to make great records that you like and stuff, you know. Who do you see as kindred spirits? I mean, I do. I love spiritualized. They're a great, great, great band, and Jason's songwriting is great. And he helped us produce a couple of songs on this. And he's West Midlands as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's both got a similar sort of cosmic that can turn raucous vibe. What's it? What's in the air in the West Midlands? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Not too sure, really. Yeah, not, not for me to say. Haven't been there for a while. What's the best bit of advice he's given you? There's been lots, lots of little bits and bobs along the way. Did making the second record feel like um, a bit, a bit of a Mission Impossible at times? <clears throat> Do you think it wouldn't get done? Mm, no, because I think the more people said they couldn't happen, or the more people were against it, or the more people wanted something from us, or wanted to be like the first one, or the more, the more I became more um, headstrong, and we all did basically. And uh, Vinny as well, who's great, who plays bass, he joined us in a chance encounter in Glastonbury. So things that once everything got. Once we got back on track, we were pretty quick, really, and knew exactly what we wanted to do. And um, it kind of just galvanised me personally and, and maybe us, us free, all going through loads of different kind of stuff at the time, which was quite some of it quite heavy, some of it quite light. <laughs> so it just kind of brought us closer together, really, to make to make kind of good, a good soulful record. What did you learn from it in terms of that you'll use to go forward to make a third album? Mm, not to do it again, probably. Maybe there's easy ways to do to do it than to crucify yourself and to try and try and um, try and make it easier. So, be a song and dance man or something. <laughs> <laughs> when are you happiest? Uh, uh, most most of the time, yeah. Uh, on stage is quite good. Playing gigs is quite good. Some needs just go past like a blur, so it's kind of like a weird state of mind, really, just being in that headspace. Sleeping's pretty good. Put the you haven't been sleeping much, though. <laughs> uh, put the washing out today on the line for a friend. That was great. Yeah, there's, there's lots. Was of there a list of jobs, or we, did you do that off your own oh, back? Yeah, I did it all from my own, from my own mind. That was your little parting <laughs> gift before you go off to Hamburg. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. And then after this EP, what next for Yak and for you? Mm, I'm not too sure, really. I'm not too sure. Probably not a lot. I don't reckon. But I said that before, and something happened. So. Uh, I'm not too sure. I think Elliot's going to go lives in Australia, I think, or New Zealand for a little bit. So that's another Yak member that's going to move to Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were joking that you could go and meet Andy and have a jam out there. They just need uh, someone else to just shout. Is that the effect you have on people? That they literally travel well, to I the do, other side? I do think that from the outside <laughs> could look look like that. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure, really. I'm, not, I'm just going to have some time to ourselves, really. I think it's going to be toured quite a lot. And um, I want to try and do some furniture again and... I might buy a van and go travelling, yeah. So, what do you like about doing the furniture thing? Uh, finding the beauty and worth in something that seems worthless, I suppose. Yeah. 
same as the music. Yeah. And it's, it's a similar kind of thing. If you dress a room in a certain way, you can make you feel completely different than you did before you walked in a room. And I think good music can make you, you know, walk differently down the street or make you dream, I suppose. So maybe there's something in that. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ollie from Yak, and you're listening to Q Presents The Making Of. Um, did you ever read Smash Hits magazine? No, no, I didn't, no. Smash Hits used to have a thing called the Biscuit Tin. Right. That had a collection of random questions in it. Okay. That we have reignited for our podcast. Oh, great. We haven't got a Biscuit Tin, but we've got a, a Jiffy envelope. Okay. So I'm going to give it a little shake, and then you pick out a question and answer it. Okay, yeah, yeah. What's your favourite restaurant? And that's a nice question. Um, well, the one I went to last night was quite good, and that was uh, Mangel 2 in, in Dalston, Turkish restaurant. It's wonderful there. It's amazing. Gilbert and George always arrive yeah. at the same time, 8 o'clock on the dot. Well, every time I've been there. So that's a good restaurant. What did you order? Oh, some kebab of some sort. <laughs> I'm not a huge foodie, to be honest with you, so it's probably wasted on me. But that's a good restaurant. Next one. What did Jason order? The same, I think. Kebab of some sort. Who would play you in a film of your life? <clears throat> It'd have to be living or, or dead. Living, I guess. Um, I don't know if that technology exists. I'm so bad at films, you know, I don't really... I've got the attention span of a gnat, so... You don't have to watch it, you just have to cast them. Kenneth Williams? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's, I was just watched Kenneth Williams today in a... I'm addicted to watching old Parkinson's and old talk shows where people just talk. And there's one with him and a union boss, which is great. There we go. Do you have any hidden talents outside of music? I can drive. <laughs> um, I, I hope you can, since you've been living out yeah, of the car. I can drive. Well, do I have any hidden talents? I suppose. Um, I suppose I don't want to be big-headed, but... I like my furniture. I like doing that, like I said before. I like do you feel good at it? Because uh, you must be good at it, but do you yeah. feel... You know that thing that you get from when if you write a great song? Yeah. You must think, oh, this is a great song. Do, do you get the yeah, same they're feeling quite, from they're doing quite fleeting moments. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was singing, we went to, uh, speaking to a friend yesterday, he goes, do you like LA? I was like, well, I went there for like a few days and then I just started really loving it, you know, putting sunglasses on and walking down the street thinking, oh, shit, hot, for, for about for a hot minute and before having to rein myself in and say, what are you doing playing at? <laughs> so. Next one, we'll do a few more. Uh, what's your favourite word? What's my favourite word? Well, my, the one I've probably used most regularly, I don't know, it's probably not my favourite one. Seminal. We were joking about rockumentaries the other day and how everything's become seminal. Yeah, I try and avoid that one. Yeah, and there's quite a lot. I watch a hell of a lot of rockumentaries. So Do you? It's, it's, it's obscene. <laughs> you should make a yak one. Yeah, well, I think that there had been one. A good friend of mine kept sending me a message who'd followed us from our first gig at the Shackwell when we did, um, where he filmed it and, uh, and then it somehow got to Fat Possum Records in America who put our first single out really no one in the UK I think they were too close to it because they could smell us and didn't like <laughs> us so from a distance we looked probably better than we were so um, and he contacted me the other day because he followed us around for a little while 
and I was a bit nervous about watching it. It would be as being really like highfalutin and yeah. talking about how we we're going to take over the world. But it was actually quite sweet, really. We all had about seven haircuts at once and stuff. Or a non, un, yeah, it was quite amusing seeing how deluded we were. And it was, it was, it was about local, local venues around, around East London, I suppose. And that there was a, like Fat White Family were in it and King Gizzard and a few other bands that were around that time. So it was quite nice, really. And it ends up with us playing at Scar Scarla, which was one of our most seminal gigs. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite documentary? Uh, well, like ones I don't like Metallica particularly, but that one's quite funny. I like them all. There was that Bros one that's hilarious. I think it's just something be, like it's quite it's like good comedy, isn't it? The tragedy of someone sending themselves up and um, the humiliation of 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 sometimes being involved in yeah. music. And also, the art, it's always interesting the aftermath, whether or not they're going to embrace it. Mm. Or the, I mean, the fact that Metallica put that out. Yeah, I got in a little. What should I say now? I got in a little bit of uh, 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 trouble with the Metallica manager <laughs> lately. Really? He's the he's the gentleman. He was only joshing, but um, but um, but yeah, I ended up in some kind of situation. But it was quite amusing because he walks in. I was like, "That's the guy from the Metallica." You know, when they say, "What are you going to call the album?" They go, "Some kind of monster." He's like, "That's that is a great name." <laughs> Whatever. But there's like I'd watch one of the steps or what was the one. I was, yeah, all sorts of nonsense. Sorry, rambling on. Then. No, you're not. Okay, last one. And then to Cologne. <sighs> Are you a good dancer? Or dancer, as you'd say here. Um, probably not, no. I could do a little bit of twirly, twirly, twirly. Well, if you were going to trash a lot when you first moved here, were you getting on the dance floor then? Yeah, probably was. I'd been, I went to Ibiza the other weekend. And that was amazing, just going to going to nightclubs at two in the morning, leaving at eight in the morning, and just really it was tops off job. <laughs> and just listening, like, wow, shit, where's the bass gone? Uh, oh, here it's back again. <laughs> this is great. And was was loads of uh, some friends that are really into that kind of stuff and listening. So and that, that was great. So all those house records that your <laughs> sister left you. Yeah, yeah, and they were all there. It's great now. I like. I did. I did like. I did like going. To, I've never been to my beef. It was great. Just to dance for, for a whole week, and then ended up going into the Alps, and we played a gig in the in the basically a cloud in the hot amps at the Stoner Rock gig. Oh, that's like cool. One night, I left. I left the nightclub at five a.m. Got on a plane at seven a.m. Got to London. Got on another plane to get to Geneva to then travel through Geneva Lake to get to the Alps to then watch this like Stoner Rock from. I was kind of like, wow, contrast again, you know. You should have had the camera crew with you. That'd be great stuff for the documentary. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't very chatty in, in transit, but yeah. Okay, Ollie, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, yeah. Have a safe journey to Cologne. Okay, yeah. uh, thank you to producer Sue <coughs> and uh, to you, the listener, for tuning in. Please remember to rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Uh, this has been Q Presents The Making Of with Ollie Burslem from Yak. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming in and doing yeah, that, man. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, cheers Jason's such us. a sweet guy. I interviewed. I met him for the first time. I interviewed him last year, and then I've had this a few times. I had the same thing with Bobby Gillespie a few months before. Was I'd never seen. I'd seen Jason Pierce once. Maybe he's just he's always you know in the Golden Eagle having a pint or something. Yeah. But as soon as I interviewed him, I was seeing him like every few days. Yeah. I kept bumping into him, and it, it was the sweetest Jason Pierce thing where I'd been playing football in Shoreditch, and I came around the corner, and he was coming out of Sainsbury's local. And I was like, Jason, 
He's like, oh, hi. I was like, I've got to run and get the train. And as I said, I've got to run and get the train, he said, do you live around here too? So I went, I've got to run and get the train. And I walked on and as I walked off, I could hear him saying to himself, oh, you don't live around here then. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh man, I was so sorry. You're such a sweet guy. Oh, we had a good, we had a good weekend together. Yeah, because I rocked a bit his gig and did loads of magic mushrooms. So I was kind of, I went on my own as well. So he was finding me quite amusing because I was just like, of all the candles. But we had a good, drink last night it was nice oh that's good yeah i saw some friends at that show it was really amazing yeah it was really a beautiful beautiful concert right i'm gonna go get loads of duvets and cushions and make a little bed in the van <laughs> so how long drive is so that cute. i think it's like seven hours and then six hours and i think they're all about seven eight hours for about five days now and i'm a really nervous passenger so i'm just always like <sighs> but it'll be fine is that being in control? Yeah. Oh, I can get a hug. Thank you. Thanks for having really me. Really lovely to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Have nice a wonderful you. journey. Hi, I'm Ollie from Yak, and you've been listening to Q Presents The Making